In the year 1516, Renaissance painter Matthias Grunewald finished what would later be considered his masterpiece, which is an entire altar screen, a triptych, depicting biblical scenes with stunning clarity and emotion. The center panel of the altar shows Christ on the cross. His mother, Mary Magdalene, and the beloved disciple are at his feet. And interestingly, he depicts John the Baptist to Christ's left. If you want to reference the painting as I talk, there is a copy of it in your pew. You might have to uh, pass it among others in your pew. For those watching online, I will post a link to the painting in the comments after the service. I'm very sorry I didn't do that beforehand. If you want to Google uh, Grunewald, G-R-U-N-E-W-A-L-D, it should also pop up. Now, there are several aspects of this piece that I find remarkable. The first is that Christ's wounds look particularly gruesome. If you look closely, you'll see sores and lesions all over his body. Grunewald first painted this altar to live at the Monastery of St. Anthony in Eisenheim, France, a place that tended to people with skin diseases, such as the Black Plague, people who others thought looked grotesque, and who probably never saw a picture of Jesus looking anything but whole and pure. Except here, Jesus suffers as they do. I cannot imagine how powerful it must have been to worship in front of Christ, who shares their pain. The other thing I love about the Eisenheim altar is, as I mentioned, the inclusion of John the Baptist. This is interesting because John was not present at the crucifixion. As we know, he had been killed by Herod long before Jesus died in Jerusalem. And yet, there he is, Grunewald put him in the painting, with his finger extended, pointing to Jesus as if to say what he said his whole life. This is the one who you have waited for. He is the Messiah. In our gospel text, he says, look, here is the Lamb of God. Later in John chapter 3, he says, he must increase, but I must decrease. John the Baptist's calling was to get the world's attention. God made his mouth like a sharp sword, kept him like a polished arrow in a quiver for this exact moment. John the Baptist's purpose is not just to testify to the arrival of the Messiah, the Christ, the Passover lamb who will bear the world's sins, but to find those who are searching and point them in the direction of Jesus. Jesus is and always shall be the center, the cornerstone of human existence. John's purpose is to say that everything is different now, it is no longer about him as a leader, about how many followers he may have had, though it was many. It is all about this new thing that all of them together were to seek after. We also get the call story of Andrew and Peter, the first disciples. The story gives us Jesus' first spoken words in the Gospel of John. 
These words are not an authoritative or declarative statement about his own importance. The other characters in the story do that for us. This is the Messiah, Rabbi, the Lamb of God. Rather, Jesus asks question, what are you looking for? Doesn't Christ call us all at some point in our lives to this question? What are you looking for? Biblical scholar and priest Raymond Brown writes that John implies more than a banal request about their reason for walking after him. The question touches on the basic need of humanity that causes them to turn to God. He is talking about our real but often subconscious desire to find God, to dwell with God, to find something that promises to outlast all of the temporal realities of human life, change, sickness, death, tragedy, injustice. I agree with Dr. Brown, though I would argue that it sometimes takes a lot of reminding and guidance to remember that in the middle of our tumultuous lives that we should seek God. We should find and orient ourselves around Jesus, someone whose life and love transcends our reality. It is so possible and common for us to get distracted by what we think we're looking for. More money, more security, more friends, more attention, more importance. And perhaps what it is we are truly seeking, which is Jesus, is not entirely known to us which is why we are invited more deeply into a relationship with God in the times we feel like we have nowhere to turn. There's an invitation there. Come and see. John the Baptist is offering an invitation to his followers, to all in Judea and to Christians for millennia and to us today and saying, this is it. This weekend, our collective minds and hearts reflect on the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Though I think there is more to this than a federal holiday, than reading a few quotes or getting off work or posting something on Facebook. I cannot presume to know what Dr. King would think, but I also know that when we remember his work and his life and his sacrifice in all of its complexity, we are also honoring those who heard his invitation and took it. Those who heard his visions for liberation and said, yes, this is what I am looking for, even at great personal cost to myself. What is beautiful about this type of orientation of people in our world who are clearly pointing at Jesus or pointing us in the right way is that it is both the answer to our wondering and also something that gives us strength to keep wondering. When you feel like you have nowhere to turn, thanks be to God for Dr. King, for John the Baptist, for all the people who have directed us to what it is we seek. The truth is, is that none of us were created by God to be God to be Christ. I believe this is a passage about purpose, about vocation. 
And just like John, we must uncover our true purpose, which is to point the way. I believe it is very rare that what God intends for us is to center ourselves in whatever version of truth we believe. If we are too self-involved, too me-focused, too isolated, too concerned about what's in it for us, we will miss it. We will miss the invitation to come and see a light so amazing, so wonderful, that nothing, not even death, will be able to extinguish it. We all need reminding of this all the time. Karl Barth, arguably the most preeminent Protestant theologian of the 20th century, he needed reminding of this invitation too. Above the desk in his study hung a print of this very piece by Matthias Grunewald of Christ Crucified. Reportedly, he kept it there to remind himself of his very call and purpose in his life, which was not to write brilliant and important tomes about God, which he did, but that in everything he did, in all of his scholarship, he wanted to be like John the Baptist's finger in this painting. Not even like John the Baptist, like his finger pointing to Jesus. Everything is to the glory of a God who loved us so much he died on the cross for our salvation. Bart knew that he himself was not the center of his life or accomplishments, but Jesus was. And if he ever had to ask, what are you looking for? John is right there, pointing at what it is he sought. Do you hear a pattern in these lives, John the Baptist and Dr. King and Karl Bart? They all wrestle with vocation, and yet they all strive to orient their lives around Christ. When you find you have nowhere to turn, that's to whom they turn, and they're inviting us into that turning. Our vocations are nothing if they do not somehow point the way to Christ. That sounds dramatic or harsh, but I, but I believe it is true for all of us. It's just really hard, which is why we need reminders. What is something that reminds you to turn to Jesus? What is a touchstone for you as you go through your day? You can take this picture home if you want and if it moves you. Or you can find another thing that points to exactly what it is you're looking for in the living of your life. Such things are invitations. Take the invitation. Come and see. In the name of God. <laughs>